Hello and welcome to SoFarscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the, the story So Farscape. Farscape. <laughs> and what another Farscape story it is. <laughs> Frelling Freslin fueled Farscape episode we're talking about. Season 3, episode 13, Scratch and Sniff. There was a lot of sniffing. Not so much scratching, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a joy. What an absolute joy it was to return to this this episode, which I haven't seen in ages, and man, it's still a trip. It's quite a different take from the the usual Farscape fair, I would say. Right. It's also... So what... I don't know. I mean, do, do you really think so? Sorry, I'm trying to do the coquettish thing. But I, <laughs> I sort of promised myself, oh, I'm going to really frail with I, him this time. Really? I really? kind of did. So who directed it? Because I noticed that like the, there was a very different style in, yeah, basically, presentation. Well, it's a familiar face. It's Tony Tills. He's yeah. uh, he's done a lot of the episodes. Right, yeah. Uh, in season one, he's a, he's a regular. So nothing too remarkable there. It was written by Lily Taylor, and she's done uh, a fair few before. She also did, uh, oh, let me see, A Clockwork Nambari. Oh, yeah? That was one of hers. And she's one of the uh, the story producers. But, yeah, this went through some iterations. Oh, can't imagine. Whenever we do one of these episodes, I do a lot of research in the uh, Farscape Encyclopedia Project, the Snurcher's Guide, the Visual Companion, and the, mm-hmm. the Creatures of Farscape books. And I usually have, like, uh, uh, well, sometimes I have up to half a page of notes from there. I have a full page of pre-production notes Damn. this time. So th- finding the right tone was incredibly difficult because they wanted it to both be uh, a little bit lighter than the rest of the yes. fair. But also, it deals with, hey, slavery. Yeah. And uh, uh, sexual exploitation and drug addiction and sales. And <laughs> yes. And tee how much fun are we having? Yes. I yeah. can imagine that it was like tricky to get that in the right in the cut, which I noticed they're, they're, they're doing a lot. There's lots of like records. Well, they don't actually record scratch it, but it's that typical freeze frame thing. Yeah. There's some fourth wall breaking. There's lots of speeding up and slowing down. I wonder if they, he watched Human Traffic before he uh, made this uh, episode. I don't remember off the top of my head. It's very possible that that was one of the influences. There's yeah, a lot so- of uh, yeah similar visual uh, takes. But of course, that's how they like to visualize you know drug parties and drug use in general. Right. It's very hard yeah. to like convey that that feeling and that atmosphere visually. Yes. Like once we get there, like it, I, I did recognize certain, you know, <laughs> from, from my own modest past, and I'm, I, I know that you have lived in circumstances where that was yeah. fairly common. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, run by the synopses. Yes, I, yes, I'm let's. really looking forward to these because I'd want to see what our uh, <laughs> listeners made out of uh, out of this. Gosh, do you remember how I've been? I've been asking for for synopses earlier in the season. Yes. Like, oh, it's looking a little thin. Even back then, this episode was just filled with like people have been sending in synopses since season two. Damn! Oh, <laughs> they were like looking forward to it as well. So, yep. Window shopping in fishnet stockings. Thank you, EJ. They're sucking the juices out of red. If we don't stop them, she'll be dead. What happened last night? Are the girls all right? I don't believe a word you've said. Thanks, Rick, from the Delta Quadrant. Continuing with the rhyming verse. It's fantastic. It's fear and loathing in Las Lomo. An expectation of relaxation quickly faces disintegration when intoxication, profligation, and illicit medication cause distraction and disorientation, allowing abduction and subjugation without much preparation and in spite of inebriation. Our heroes undertake an investigation to discover their ship's made location and hopefully secure their emancipation. Whoa! Despite pilot's disinclination... John attempts an explanation regarding their unscheduled reunification, but this disjointed recitation draws a hostile accusation of intentional obfuscation, barring recohabitation. Thank you, Jenna. I wanted to, I'm holding too many things. I can't finger snap along with this beat poem. Oh, isn't it fine? Uh, isn't it fine how tales after the bender get blown out of proportion? Thanks, the Derp Prime. I think that may be a little bit of... Isn't it fine? I would think so. That may be a little bit of autocorrect yeah. there. Isn't it funny how tales after the bender get blown out of proportion? Yes, no. I do like that. While exiled from Moya, John and Dargo party hard and wake up in a storefront. Jewel and Shiana are used to create a sex drug, and the guys must save them by pretending to be rich bidders. And Dargo meets Harvey. Thank Ooh. you, Billy Roberts. Continuing, the crew gets more than they bargained for when they get kicked off the ship onto a planet designed for... 
pleasure. Featuring Tim Curry level thigh highs, an alien voyeur, extract of ecstasy, and a fitting end to a loathable villain. Thanks, Redshirt Wookiee. And welcome to Space Vegas. But in this case, what Moya crew does on a beach vacation planet does not necessarily stay on a beach vacation planet. Watching delight as an erotic Farscape fan fiction gets turned into a full canonical episode. Who will pass the taste test? Thank you, Matthew B. Yes, I see everybody had a lot of fun, as did we. Because this episode opens with... Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. This episode opens with a shot of a bar. It's a lovely tracking shot. They've mm-hmm. got all these, um, I don't know, they look like sort of multicolored uh, 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 drinks. They look, I've, I've yeah. seen those bottles before. I'm sure those were a thing at a certain point that they were being sold as some sort of energy drink type ah, container. Because yeah. they're just like these little plastic rib bottles with a big bulge on the end and a straw in the top. Yeah. And the creature department really got to go nuts on this. Yeah, my first thought was like, this, these are Star Wars cantina levels of uh, aliens walking yes. around. Yes. The creature shop had a lot of fun with this. Like, specifically, Dave Elsie mentioned that he got a note from uh, from Kemper. Hey, uh, you want to alien it up? Because it's been a kind of bipedal lately. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and even here, like, it's hard to tell just how many of these are prosthetics and how many of these are just crazy outfits because there's just so much. And mm. It's so colorful and and bright and this bizarre editing already gets you in the in the mood you mentioned like human trafficking yeah i think uh, uh, natural born killers was also one of the inspirations because mm-hmm. what happened was originally this was filmed as sort of a, a sort of detective noir right. it was filmed much more linear and that didn't quite get the tone Right. I can see that. It would be serious and a little bit dark and edgy, maybe. Right. It, it, it was tricky. And then apparently mid-filming, David Kemper suggested, what if all this was, what if this was framed as Crichton's narrative? Right. Yeah. And so Tony Tills and Wayne LeClos, I think that's how you pronounce it, C-L-O-S, I think it's a French name, mm-hmm. uh, who's the editor, apparently like they disappeared into an editing cave for several weeks and they came out with this, which has 1,300 cuts in it, which is, I think, triple the average for, yeah. for Farscape. No really long tracking shots or anything like that, no. No, lots of repetition, certainly early on, lots of zapping back and forth through worth of continuity. Yeah, I was like... It's a weird universe out there, man. You don't know that because you're spending all your time indoors. That kind of faked me out, I suppose. The... Ah. Uh, I, th- I thought there was going to be some something else going on with uh, John's narrative and how, how things were const- the, the little repeat thing. Uh, I thought there was might have been some weird uh, oh, what were you screwery sc- going on. I wasn't like I didn't I didn't have my mind on anything yet. I just thought the repeating of certain things which happened. I was thinking, okay, maybe oh. this is just like yeah, it's something drug infused or maybe actual replay stuff going on. Yeah, maybe another Scarron in uh, something like that. Yes, yeah, something like or, that. Oh, Okay. It opens with a shot which is actually the cause of this problem. It's Dargo and John arguing. How can you say that? Because it's true. You're exactly like a Sebation. In what way am I like a Sebation? In that you think that you are superior and that you treat the rest of us like animals. When have I ever treated you like that? Only every time we have to make a decision and you think that the best idea is your idea. And... We yes. only know that at this point they have been banished from Moya. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, have they been banished? And Pilot put his foot down? Yeah. And like, Pilot kicked them off? Can he do that? <laughs> Since when does he have feet to put down? Well. <laughs> has it occurred to you why Pilot banished you from Moya? No. Because you're both acting like a couple of immature trench knots. I can't believe you pissed him off. I didn't piss him off. You pissed him you off. Did. Grow up. Or ignore each other or kill each other, but just stop fighting all the time. Uh, yeah, Chiana reminds them. Chiana's looking great, by mm. the way. Do you notice her yeah. hair? She's, gotten, she's had a little hair lift, I think. Glad you noticed. Yeah, apparently, like, after two years of punishment, as, uh, uh, as the weak mistress put it, they retired her old wig and uh, gave her a new one. Oh, okay. It looks very silvery, I think. It's it, a bit it does shorter. A bit. It is a bit. A bit more of a pixie cut. And, uh, but, yeah, it looks, it, she looks really good in it. As banishments go, this one isn't too bad, because they're loaded, presumably still from the Shadow Depository. I suppose, yeah. And uh, they are spending it, and they're having, a, they're having fun. I mean, the, little, the arguing uh, between Dargo and John quickly turns into 
Chana and oh, what's her name again? Jules. Jules, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you, to uh, announce that oh, we're going to have some fun. Give us some money, and we'll be out partying. Yeah, I kind of love that. Yeah, I'm out of I'm out of money. Come on. And soon Share enough, two lasses show up to uh, come and uh, party with John and Dargo. Dargo wants to keep them for him, both for himself. But John goes like, no, 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 four of us are leaving here. Yes. I have so much cash in my pocket that I can assure you that the three of us will be out of here on our hands and knees come sunrise tomorrow morning. I've been arrested for saying exactly the same thing on four different planets. Oh. And we get to see Dargo boogie down. Something yes. chronic. He does the funky chicken. No one wants to no, dance. No, go away. And so does Crichton's sort of cool guy dancing. I kind of love it. It's so it's so oafish and yet also very charming. I mean, he's he's a better dancer than I am. Oh but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not speaking for you. I'm speaking for myself here. But yes, definitely. Right, but this actually at this point, a little clue is already revealed. Because we see that those girls are first hanging out with this alien called Raxel. Mm-hmm. This alien is Raxel. There's one like her on every planet. And these girls, well, we never did get their names. And she passes them a little bit of money. Yeah. Now, this is easy to miss among the many edits, and you're not really paying attention to it here, but I thought it was kind of cool that it's actually, it's actually pretty... Uh, it's uh, already implied that uh, she's hiring them to do a little job there, yes. I sort of love how Chi and Jewel go and party. That they come back for some more money, which is, on the one hand, sort of like a like a teenager coming to dad. Right. But also, like, where would she be keeping money in that costume? Well, considering we're at the same place everybody else is keeping their money in this bar, because there's a lot of money disappearing into cleverage we're seeing in various shots here. <laughs> uh, oh, and Chi's going to be a good friend. She says, like, as soon as Jewel passes out, I'll drag her back to the, the yeah. shuttle, which is... Hey, good looking out. This is fairly, yeah, fairly true uh, to behavior. But uh, yeah, we also see John do a couple of uh, fourth wall breaks here, which later turns out that he's because he's actually talking to Pilot and telling this story. Yeah. Let me finish my story. Shut up and let me tell my story. Can I please tell the story the way I want to tell it? And then cut to black. Every, all the intensity leads, it comes to a crescendo and we fade out and we find ourselves... On the morning after the night before, on the floor of a t- sort of go-go palace with clothes strewn about and a severely hungover John and, and Dargo trying to figure out where what they are. What happened? What didn't happen? Yes, he's in some sort of weird, like, circular tube where he's apparently been sleeping. He's passed out. They discover that they spiked our drinks and took our money. They rolled us? Yeah, they rolled us. You know, these... My pulse Shots pistol. that we took, they spiked them. My pulse pistol, they, they took my damn pulse pistol. No, no, we didn't bring our guns, no. they're still on the pot. <laughs> I know. I love how John's priority was to, to sort of check his holster. Yes. And it turns out that they're behind a window and they're being stared at by people, <laughs> having a bit of a laugh at them. Yeah. John is kind of confused, he's just put his shirt back on, his uh, lovely green shirt. Yes, apparently okay. this tie high Thursday on uh, uh, Space Vegas, because <laughs> yeah. John strikes a fantastic pose. Why don't you just get dressed and give him a good show, sweetheart? I am dressed. And uh, Dargo kind of looking between his legs at the people it's looking a- at them. It's a brilliant shot. Oh, yes. Uh, a, a very famous gif that has, <laughs> that has, I think, served its purpose quite, quite <laughs> generously throughout the, the history of the Farscape fandom. Also, Crichton's yelp, when he looks down, sees his predicament. Ah! He really looks good in those He in does. Those tights. He pulls it off very nicely. There's a lot of, like, fishnet attire on this planet oh, in yes. general when um, there is when there is attire i noticed that the uh, assistant to the bad guy also he's wearing this outfit with a boob window which yeah, is then, he's got a lovely uh, dress on uh, fishnetted it open yeah it's fantastic it's very charming i mean just in general everyone here is absolutely gorgeous because apparently the bar also has a beach area yes which was uh, filmed in i don't know if i'm going to say it right marabura Sounds about right. Yep, Marabura Beach. Uh, I don't know where the emphasis goes. Yeah, to me, it, like, it kind of looked like uh, we are on a space-burning man here at this point. All right. I mean, I'd, uh, I mean, inflatable having... couches on the beach. And... <laughs> yes. So this is like where, my, where I'm starting to wonder, okay, what's the continuity here? Because there seems to be 
several jumps back and forth. That's right. The talking here on the beach seems to be at a different point in time. Then, I mean, John is obviously another day ahead, but there seems to be a little bit of a weird back and forth, which doesn't make any uh, right. difference so, to the story. But to me, it feels like it's out of phase with everything else happening and not going the, back and forth to the beach. But The yeah. way I understand it, the beach and the bar are one continuous space. Right. And it's easy to go back and forth. So when you're looking for someone at the bar, you might as well hang out at the beach because you're still going to see them. We just yeah. never see those two locations because one was in a studio and one was on a freezing, freezing Australian beach at Oh, God, all those poor people wearing almost nothing. I know. I mean, on the one hand, it must be a relief from the sweltering heat of, of Australia. On yeah. the other hand, I wonder if we ever get the uh, much-desired HD transfer. I wonder if you're going to see everybody really goose pimples <laughs> in their really really skimpy, gorgeous clothing. Naked. Totally naked. The boys get a little bit more than the girls, but barely. Yep. And back on there, we have little our little space badger. <laughs> you know what I'm referring to, right? Raxel. <laughs> yes. There's one like her on every planet. That is Francesca Buller, Ben Browder's wife, uh, returning once again. Yes. She was uh, Emily. But I must eat something now. <laughs> And she was also uh -huh. uh, uh, the little betraying assistant in Look at the Princess. Yes, I, that's what I thought she was. So uh... I often wonder what I would do with wealth. She does a pretty good Cockney accent. Wait, 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 wait. I've got something for you. I've got a sort of recording of all that happened last night. So she was given this script where, like, the role was originally written for a man. Yeah. And then she just had tremendous fun with it. <laughs> But she decided to go for sort of a, a Cockney accent, as you mentioned, which was her interpretation of the sort of Joe Pesci character okay. in a film whose name now escapes me. But yeah, he's this self-serving, conniving, like Badger from Firefly. Right. Speaks really fast and is clearly trying to get them involved in something. Like, oh, you don't have any money anymore. And what are you going to do? I'm going to scream! No, don't scream! If you steal our currency... What are you talking about? I didn't steal anything. I came over here to talk to you, you know? But you looked so angry before when you were in the window. Ah! Not talking about the window. On Crichton's suggestion, he uh, he recognises Raxel and they lure her in with a smile. And then Dargo turns up the heat and smashes her into the inflatable chairs. She really gets knocked around a lot every time she, she shows up on Farscape. <laughs> she had a great time, though. She, she, she thought that Anthony was, was fantastic. And she introduces them to... Mr. Kabar? Mr. Kabar? hey, I don't think I'm going to keep the chronology very straight again on this one. Yeah. I, I don't think that's uh, uh, very easy to do, but she starts to give them some clues about what happened, and she has an idea for how they can find more clues uh, about what happened to Chi and Jewel. Yeah. Well, they, t they talk a little bit about what happened and that they're probably off somewhere having a good time, which is then corroborated by the fact that we see Jewel in a... Uh, a bathtub, yeah, uh, happily squealing about for something. I don't know what what that bathtub's filled with. It's some sort of crystal. It might be those orbs type thingies, those little squishy balls. That... I don't know. The uh, sort of, I I'm, I swear I know these things as something. Some maybe some kind of like absorbent. Yeah, they're like those little. Uh, I think they're those. They're uh, little gel start things, little which granules. You, yeah, and you throw them in a tub, and then they fill up the tub. They absorb the water, and then you can like have a little splash around in them without actually getting wet. It looks like tremendous fun. But yeah, but she knows someone who uh, keeps an eye on the bar, so to speak. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> a species which name of me ex escapes me right Hanji. now. Hanji. Is that a Hanji? Hanji? I don't believe you. Was a Hanji. A Hanji, yes. Yeah. Which Pilot doesn't believe that he that was actually a Hanji there. This uh, is the first time where you see Pilot. I mean, he has the sort of aspect of a of a horse and, mm -hmm. a, and a hare. Yeah. And in this case, I sort of imagined he raises his neck and I almost saw like his ears flatten, which he doesn't have. But <laughs> this sort of silhouette changes. The, huh? He does have a great astonished uh, expression on him at some point in this episode. It goes through angry to dismissive to yes Grumpy. very surprised yeah. uh, he's very he's very reluctant to believe john's story i don't believe you why not too many inconsistencies too much obfuscation obfuscation how the hell does that translate because i mean john is a bit of an unreliable narrator in this uh, regard yes uh, As he literally says later on, he is like, I'm just telling the story my way. This is like what I say happened. This was filmed during stolen time. 
Because uh-huh. this whole framing uh, narrative that was invented afterward, or it, yeah, it, it was suggested of, that, during that kind of yeah, it has that feel after what you just told me regarding the way this episode was filmed. Yeah, but like the 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 money people or the producers had told David Kemper, no, we're not spending another minute on this episode. It's already way over budget. It was supposed to be just a little bit of filler, guys. Come yeah. on, it's so hugely over budget, but. <laughs> They had a little free time between two setups, and the puppeteering crew was already in pilot's den. And like, you guys game? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, fair enough. And they knocked it out in uh, in what little time they had left, and nice. just didn't tell anyone. Very good. Good job. Um, so yeah, this alien apparently has kept an eye on the boat. Which okay, this is a little bit confusing. And so this alien Barscape? confusing lives, lives near the windows that uh, John was uh, John and Dargo woke up next to. But apparently he keeps an eye on the bar, but it's not his bar, or maybe it is. It's a little bit unclear what's going on. So, it is described that the Hanji... was a Hanji? ...is a species that's capable of recording things that they see. Creature with removable eyes, optic nerves that continue to record and send back images, even after they're separated from the body. And playing back those recordings yeah. with their eyes, which don't necessarily have to be attached to their body. No. Okay, so you see it has two eyes, yeah. uh, this, this Hanji, this wonderful, like hammerhead praying mantis combination yeah Uh, a fantastic animatronic puppet like Dave Elsie was so proud oh the neck is so thin so you know for sure there's not a hand in it no that's what I was going to say it's like there's no way to hide any uh, puppeteers in that so that's like a brilliantly done uh, puppet I'm nobody's puppet Mr Elsie would be very proud to hear that and and it was capable of so much more than was actually shown here (laughs) and apparently I'm going to have to bug Dave Elsie on Twitter about this, but apparently there is sort of a test run video somewhere of this puppet singing Sweet Transvestite to show off its <laughs> lip syncing capabilities, and that's perfect! Yes. Dang. <laughs> you want the show. So the, 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 what I think is happening is that at the ends of its sort of tentacles that are coming off, off of its head, that's where it has extra eyes. Uh, oh. Which may have already been detached and sort of floating around. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because when uh, uh, when Raxel takes one of the tentacles, she pops the cap off or whatever it is. Yeah, and I think that's maybe one of the eyes oh, that hasn't okay. been. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe. Yeah, because yes, uh, apparently it can record these things because John actually describes it as a pornographer, which apparently is kind of thing that it does. It records things that happen around in the yep. bar and places, and then sells those recordings. And Raxel has to pay him to show them what happened. Last night. You don't think you get the show for free, do you? And they each plug... I mean, it's... it's, it's the Farscape's obsession with eyes is, is yes. well recorded. I mean, John's complaining about it, but it's by far not the worst thing that has happened to one of his eyes. So no, right? what is he going on about? Uh-oh. Eyes. Eyes. Corner of my eye. John Crichton's eyes. He said nothing about your eyes. I got... Great eyes. I have eyes as well. Eyes on the task. Boy, do they rip your eyes out. Stick a needle in my eye. And my eye falls out. Why are your eyes red? I love red eyes. Brings out your eyes. Eyes locked. Or I'll tear your frilling eyes out. Hi, hi, you royal frogness. So he slaps one of these tentacles over his eyes, and now they're in a shared sort of... Uh, Virtual uh, reality Yes, yeah, like a holodeck. Yeah. They and see we, themselves. We get a very sexy moment between Chiana and Jewel. Very good. They seem to have overcome their uh, animosity. And <laughs> they are now, seem to uh, be very good friends. Yes. <laughs> Crichton, this is a very good friend. They're having a little dance-off. They're I showing know. each other their moves. They're having fun together. I absolutely love this part. Gorgeous to look at. Two very athletic young women. And then they get to show off some of their skills. So yes. apparently, yeah, they're, they're, they're taking some bar bets. And Jewel does a bunch of backflips, and I don't have a name for this. She, yeah. is a, she was a gymnast, so Shows. this is her doing yeah. the, uh, the actual stunt. I'm impressed that her wig mistress and, and costume department allowed her to do yeah. quite that much. But... I mean, quick before makeup gets here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but, we see Chiana doing some fire spinning. Also, Gigi Edgley's yes. uh, one of her, her many talents. I was surprised there that, like, this must be composited in because there's not a chance that there would be that many people with that much makeup and prosthetics standing around while, they're, while she's spinning Firepoy. Do you think not? I mean, zoom in on the, like, I don't think that that's composited. I think that those I, are. No, I know it looks right. But in the other shots, when you see her from the front, she's standing towards in front of a more gray, uniform gray background. And unless that's the TV screen that's in the bar. 
that's clearly shot somewhere else. Oh, fair point. Well, okay, what I'm seeing is that on the shots from the side, she's yes. only spinning forward and backwards. Yeah. So right in, in in a single plane, not sideways. Yeah. So and she's only going, maybe there's nobody there standing there in the, in, the, in that line of fire, so to speak. Exactly. And yeah. then the the stage was cleared when she does the cross armed and the because but she's yes. a professional. I mean, she put herself through through college with a circus work, I do believe. That sounds right. Like, uh, so I'm, yeah, she invites a surfer boy to come stand in front of her while she does the fire spinning thing and he actually passes out towards the end of it and apparently she won and wins a lot of money. She goes like, see, told you. And Like, if there's a plot reason for this, I missed it because I did notice that as soon as the show, surfer boy showed up, you sat up a little straight and so, oh, sort of paid attention. He's a very <laughs> handsome young man. man. <laughs> Apparently, the intensity of her fire spinning and, and, and her trapezoid's talents is so overwhelming that he passes out. She wins a bunch of money, which she starts spending on more booze. Ratslack, make a large. And then she is approached by Fetor. Fetor, yes. Fetor, bad guy, dressed in black. Do we know that actor? The actor in question is Tamblin Lord. Let me see. Actor and producer, known for The Man Who Sued God, Rush, Satisfaction, Neighbours for mm. a while. Yeah, I mean, he's an Australian actor. Of course he's been in Neighbours. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to I be. I mean, it's like if you're a British actor, you've been in Harry Potter. It's like there's no really getting around that. <laughs> yeah, at least twice. <laughs> I like watching you dance. I like watching you and your friend. But especially... You. As they are watching Chana's interaction with this man who gives her something to sniff, which seems to please her quite a lot, mm -hmm. suddenly the picture gets cut out. Uh, they're like back in the uh, normal world and our little pornographer says like, oh no. You didn't pay me enough to cross the tour. Screw you, you haven't paid me enough for that. Yes, apparently he's a, he's a known, I mean, we find dealer. out that he's a yeah he's a he's a local drug kingpin, selling a drug called Freslin. 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 Yeah, grade A Freslin. Yes. Uh, which he introduces Chiana to, and she's just immediately overwhelmed by love potion number nine. I think uh, John calls it later. Yeah. Yeah, Raxel calls it an attractant. Mm -hmm. It which makes you attractive or attracts you to other people. It's, it's lovely when a drug just does whatever. Changes a your verb. appearance. Yes. Yeah, I mean... Are we fine with that? I, I mean, she does say something about it just being pheromonal and not an actual physical appearance change, so it, it just makes everybody else see you differently. The fresen I sprayed him with radiates the pheromones outwards and creates an aura morph, so we all see Dogger like this. I made him very attractive, don't you think? But it makes, you, it makes everybody see you the same way, which is different from how you already look. Like which is very peculiar. An aura morph, and we just sort of have to accept yes. it. Yes. Got to a scene where we find out uh, how Fator is uh, doing his thing. He's got this, like, love chair with someone in it and all these hoses coming out, and, like, apparently they're sucking loads of fluids out, and that, that becomes the Freslin that they are uh, selling. Yes. Uh, There's a little bit of uh, arguing over whether this... Uh, person should be milked any further how much should be extracted but he goes like oh we've got another we've got someone else lined up i think she's going to be really exceptional so what drain this one. Oh, what a sleaze bag yeah and what a a really horrifying scene for such a a chipper sort of go-go location like yeah the the uh, tim ferrier was challenged to make a chair that was even weirder than the one in the ugly truth yeah fetch the comfy chair that was even more outlandish, and it's this... It's kind of like a tongue, which is... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see what you mean. A tongue made out of candy Yeah. in this in this white room with all of these tubes. I mean, the tubes look gorgeous. The, the, the room looks great. But this is a young woman who's been ensnared in a, in a, in a web of deception and, and violence and is in the process of being killed for yes. drugs here. Like it's the the sort of balancing act between the extreme grimness of the, of the story and just the gonzo ecstasy of the production is, is nowhere like nowhere is that shown better than here and just Fetor is this sleazy charismatic monster in cahoots with I kind of like that uh, John said I'm not exactly sure but I think this is Fetor's sister Maybe. I mean, doesn't matter. It's not important. But uh, yeah, a uh, quick shot back to the beach where they devise a plan uh, to find Chana and Jewel. They assume that they went with Fator. Yes, and Darko did in fact 
go to Fetor, which he's come to the beach to tell. The, so Crichton's telling Pilate about how Dargo told him. Yes, about, okay, that must be where my confusion in the in right. the sequence of events came from, because then yeah, there's a seems to be a flashback within the flashback of. Uh, That's exactly what's happening because yes. we see Dargo knocking on the door. A knocking, gimp yeah, opens. Knocking out a gimp, which turns out to be uh, Fator security personnel or general servants around the house, because there's more. There's you see more of them later on. They have these bondage mask uniforms that yep. are just yeah, I've been to parties like that. That just shows up, and there's, I mean, there's a reason for some of them to be dressed like that. Nobody's told me, but no, drinks are free. Let's uh, go. Dargo hears Jewel screaming. <laughs> Are you all right? A squealing turns out later because she's still in the tub and having a whale of a time. Chana is blissed out on a couch. Everybody's having a great time. It's this, it's this beautiful apartment with mm. just seaside windows all around. This is actually set designer Tim Ferrier's house. Oh, very nice. Right? <sighs> Damn. Uh, there's, there's a clear distinction in the room because there's like several people who are lounging about in white terry cloth robes. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the gimp mask assistants, I yeah, suppose. The yeah, the And then there's the, the pretty girls which are lying about and which are clearly there for the entertainment. So Darko tells John that he uh, made a little bit of a scene. <laughs> he was trying to liberate Chiana and Jewel, but both of them insist that they're having a good time. I can mean to have a good time. Does that make you jealous? No, I'm not jealous. It's just that... Because you and me, we're, we're not together anymore, are we? I know we're not together anymore. Oh, but... Well, then let go of me. Yes, and they want to stay. Fator's uh, assistant pulls a gun on Dargo, and he gets basically kicked out of the place. And at this point, like, if we hadn't seen that Fetor already was a murderous monster, you might still buy that he's, he's just some local... I don't know. I'm I'm looking for like an equivalent to someone who is just wealthy and charismatic and and likes to throw parties and, yes. and gets off on people having a good time at his parties, which is a thing, right? No, totally. That's I, like you, that's what people do, and it's like yeah. They, I mean, Jewel and Chana are both very attractive people, and people like that tend to like to have other uh, other attractive people around their house and their parties. Yeah, and they're more than willing to invite them over to come over and have a good time. <laughs> Let's party! I am so there. But we know that this is a trap, and uh, Dargo, like, discovers that this is probably more than just a comfortable party, because to dissuade him from disrupting it any further, the enforcers draw guns. Yeah. They had weapons! You said it would be a party! Apparently they're allowed to have guns. Well, I mean, he's this guy's a drug kingpin. If the, even if the planet is a no-guns policy, I mean, the drug dealers will usually have guns anyway. Yeah. So Dargo takes out his rage on Raxel. Like, you didn't tell us that there would be guns. You didn't inform us about, like, the process of milking, which he also reveals. Yeah. Well, at this point, yeah, Raxel sprays Dargo with more of this. Fresnel. Fresnel, that's the one. Fresnel is a type of lens. Yes, which turns him into a raving dance maniac. And there's a cut to the scene where he's in the bar (laughs) dancing his uh, mivonks off. It made him dance? Uh, (laughs) There is some effort to justify why he's doing it because he was sprayed with Freslin, which is an attractant. And so, like, they they sort of corralled him off the beach where it would be dry humping everything that moved yes. and into the bar and sort of convinced him that dancing is a good way to meet girls. Where there's this guy dancing and he's wearing what looks like blue crash netting, the stuff that you see along the sides <laughs> of ski pieces and, and the like. Someone's fashioned into a shirt. I mean, I swear oh, I that's the material what, what they've used for that. Can you imagine the squeaking on set? Oh, I mean, I, you'd probably go sweaty very quickly and then yeah. like, no squeaking. You'd just go like uncomfortable slipping and chafing oh, because like that stuff is not smooth. You know, there's like... No, there's... I know. Just a talcum powder sales must have been through the roof after this. <laughs> Those poor extras. Cut Those... to a scene. Pilot, I don't believe you. <laughs> yes, he does that thing again. He sort of raises his neck, yeah. makes himself taller. I don't believe... Because this is like justifying to mom why you were out so late and 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 drove back in a different car than the one that you borrowed from her <laughs> no more enough even i am not so gullible as to believe that dargo turned into another creature i do not appreciate the lies you tell in order to circumvent whoa ho hold up john makes a fairly convincing argument to pilot saying like 
How long have we known each other? Approximately two and a half long cycles. I ever lie to you? Mm. <laughs> which, yeah. which, How long have we known each other? Which is a point that uh, Pilot reluctantly has to concede. And yes, two and a half great, very, very long, long cycles. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we learn that, yeah, Pilot is being fed up with them and he's banished them from, for, from Moya for 10 days. Yeah, just to give it's himself like, a rest. Me and Moya, air quotes. I still hold to my theory that, like, whenever Pilot says me and Moya, or Moya says that it's just him making up. <laughs> Your father is very, very disappointed yes. in you. <laughs> Pilot just making up dread to uh, make it sound more convincing. Uh, and now Jewel falls into the clutches of, of Fetor. He's leading her through this... Uh, I mean, is it supposed to be a maze? All the walls have sort of red mazes drawn on them. No, it's just somewhere in his place, I think. Yeah. Uh, which is a bit weird and odd. But yes, he's, uh, he's got a surprise for you. And can you smell it? Oh, wow. And leads her into this room. And she looks a bit concerned. When she sees the gigantic yeah. sort of tongue chair. Yeah, she's not immediately taken to it. Uh, she sees someone lying in the corner, another sort of surfer dude-looking gentleman, who seems to be blissed out. He's also showing a lot of cleavage. There's a lot of boob windows on the men in this, yes. uh, in this episode. I dig it. I mean, I'm all for equal opportunity boob windows. I'd like more midriff. Mm. That's kind of... I mean, all the people on the beach have sh sh are showing loads of midriff, so... That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think I'll get a lot of mileage out of those particular shots. <laughs> so this is all intercut with... Oh, our little badger. I forgot her name again. Raxel. Raxel, that's the one. Uh, talking, talking to John, explaining what's been going on. Why did you not tell us this earlier? And kind of finding out how it all ties together. Yes, because he spots the fishnet baboob windowed henchman that Rashford points out, like, who he is. And, oh, he could get us into the... Yes. John pretends to be a buyer. He, he hears about, uh, yeah, you've got this Fresnel... Uh, Freslin. 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 Let me yep. write that down. Freslin, that's right. And at first he's rebuffed. But I kind of like that John takes it in stride. And he keeps going. He tries again. A few times until he name drops Mr. Kabar, which is the Hanji. Right. Yeah, oh. he told me to uh, talk to you and that you're the best. And I'm rich and I want the best stuff. Good I got some good stuff. I got some stuff which wasn't really great and I need something better. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, I guess, a way to buy drugs. He hands him this little hemisphere copper thing and yeah, this will get you in. That's some, some sort of token to get inside. Yeah. Poor Jewel is strapped to the table and... Uh, Getting drained, yes. At this point, like, we find out that Fetor is known for his nose because... Well, the base element of Freslin is found in the senile gland of sentient beings. Oh, you mean like in people? Yeah. Fetor's got a machine that milks this gland. And, and when there's a lot of demand, well, sometimes he'll milk them until they die. Um, and his, his sort of... Ability to detect who will produce good shit oh, yes. uh, makes him a successful uh, a dealer in these pleasure drugs. And now it's time to scheme. It's time for the, the Farscape plan, which is always one of my favorite parts. <laughs> yes, they go back to the, uh, the Hammerhead alien. Hey, Hammerhead, how you doing? I'm back for some home video. Get out, get out. I don't think so. And ask to be shown the auction house, or at least the play of at, at least a Fator's. Ask slash threaten. Oh yes, John threatens to snap your head off. Which I, I mean, I take it in stride in 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 the course of this episode, but it is threatening and completely unrelated, and honestly innocent. Yes, right. A plier of whatever trade he plies with his life for no reason, just to get your way and to move the plot along a little quicker. Yes. I mean, John is getting a little bit rough around the edges. Uh, yeah. He's been getting there. But yeah, he gets shown an empty auction room in which, for no apparent reason, Harvey shows up. Yeah. Cardago. No, it's okay. That's, um, that's Harvey. It's not Scorpy. He's a puka. He's, he's not real. For the first time, like, linked via Hanji tentacles, yes. he can introduce himself to Dargo and... He really hams it up here. <laughs> yes. Cardago. Give me five. He's like a, he's like a circus ringmaster. <sighs> giving himself a little drum roll as he, well, 
he gives bad advice. First of all, don't do this. Yeah. Just forget about the girls and go away. But since I know you won't. Yes. There's the circuit breakers and there's uh, the milking room. I mean, that's not bad advice. I mean, John's pretty good. John calls it bad advice. Like, he's always here around, hanging around in my head and to give out bad advice. But this time, the advice isn't pretty bad. It's pretty good. I mean, I don't know how he knows that those are that the circuit breakers are there. Maybe he just recognized them for what they are. Also, why yeah. the frell would you put circuit breakers high up in the corner of a big room? It's like circuit breakers you put in the utility closet somewhere where you can always get to them easily if you need to. And you don't have to, like, run around the entire room and... Uh... Oh, it is a public space, though. Yeah. So maybe you don't want it where uh, the public can get at it. Which is up, up inside the room in public. You want them, ideally, in a cupboard behind the bar or somewhere. Mm. Oh, yeah, fair enough. But they didn't. They, they only had so much budget for the, for the set. You've got to put it somewhere. Also, I noticed, like, I suspect that this set is I suspect. M- merely I like a, like a, a bunch of screens and windows. Because I'm fairly certain that in certain shots you can basically see Moya-esque ribbing in the background. So if, you, if you look at this set, if you look at the top corner, I, I, swear, I swear that, like... Above that wall, that's just part of Moya's set that you can see there in the background. Oh, I see what you mean, but I don't know any set on Moya that that's, that's that tall. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. I mean, especially since they moved to Homebush Bay, all the, all the, all the ceilings are a little lower. Yeah, okay. Season two. Fair point, yeah. It kind of just looked like they rolled some other set pieces in in front, and yeah, we'll just use the lighting, and it'll be fine. Nobody's Actually, maybe gonna... the hangar bay. The hangar bay's pretty tall. Yeah, could be. Interesting. I mean, it makes sense that you that they deck it up as something else, because they've got a lot of fantastic locations in this episode. But so thanks to uh, the Scorpius's drumroll <laughs> brilliance, they now have a plan. And now we've also resolved a question that had been lingering in the minds of fans: Was Harvey also duplicated when John was duplicated? Ah, oh, okay, yes, good yeah. point. Because so, Black Tea John, he's seen, uh, he's seen Harvey. Yeah. Well, there's the answer then. Yes. Yep. That I mean, the... if it's a perfect copy of John, then it makes sense that Harvey would be included in that. You'd think. And yeah. now we have proof. Like, this John not seeing Harvey might be evidence that, oh, maybe there is unoriginal. Yes. Right? But no, no, no. So, Chana wakes and goes looking for Jewel, uh, gets intercepted by uh, Fator. Oh, what a sleazebag. Jewel? Jewel! Something wrong? No. No, no, no. I was, uh, I was just trying to find Jill. We should really be going. You really are quite beautiful. Yeah. Where's Jill? Don't be scared. Everything's all right. Raxel is disappointed that their plan involves only the two guns that uh, John oh, was able yes. to bring back. From- <laughs> because apparently they now have a reputation because she's talking about bombs and uh, shadow depots and apparently they have, they, they've been heard of, which, oh, much to Dargo's surprise, it's like, yeah. heard of us? <laughs> oh, not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, I thought you were the great Crichton and Dargo. You have heard of us. Yeah, I've heard stories, but obviously they aren't worth a bucket of dread. I mean, it depends on the context. Mm-hmm. It's like fantastic. We get a we get a bunch of quick cuts to earlier episodes. The the command carrier, the explosion on the oil moon, yeah, the collapse the- of the shadow depository, bombs here, a strange creature there that we haven't that we haven't seen yet. Okay, I didn't catch that. It's one of those blink and you'll miss it. Uh, a, a little cutaways. Yeah. Chiana finds Jewel, and now she's unfortunately the next victim. But before John and Dargo can enact their plan, they realize that they've been had by Raxel. Raxel is just using them to get into Fator's place yeah. because apparently her mate is there. She engineered this whole scenario. She bribed the two alien girls with the feathers yep. to distract them so that Fetor would move in and kidnap Chi and Jewel so that they would have a reason to go and rescue them and she could sort of uh, a, a sidecar yeah. ride along on their rescue mission to get her mate. It's a uh, bit of a convoluted plan and it requires a lot of things going right, but yeah, it seems to have worked for her. I, I knew that coming in now because I'd seen it before and yeah. so I could see... I kind of love that. How she's Rexel, machining it. Not just that, but she's also, I mean, yes, absolutely. But she's also adjusting her plan 
as she as she goes along. Like she tries to get them to pay for the show with with Hanji mm-hmm. because if they paid for it themselves, then they'd probably buy it a little bit more. Yes. But when it turns out that they're completely broke, she pays for it anyway. Mm, because like, she knows she needs to do this to get them to... They have to see it. Otherwise, her plan falls apart. So yep. I really like this character. All right, all right. You don't have to push me. Point is, you see, we can be friends. You can trust me, you see. Everybody trust me because I'm a female of my world. Oh, where's that? It smells like... Close. But no, it, it's Miramaru, you know? Kabar uses it in all his pleasure elixirs. Very low quality, but we don't tell him that. This is much to Dargo's chagrin that when he finds out that they've been had, but it doesn't really change the situation anything. They still have to go in and get Jewel and Chiana. For Dargo, this is a problem because uh, all of Fetor's security forces have already seen him, so he's yes. never going to get in. And that's when Raxel sprays him with this other stuff. Is it the other? I thought it was just an overdose of uh, Freslin. It's an amount of Freslin, but apparently they all do other stuff, so... Okay, so it's probably Freslin from a different mm. creature or uh, animal, as Fator uh, keeps referring to them. I had pushed that out of my mind. That is, <laughs> ugh, that is so vulgar and grim. But this one apparently causes a pheromonal response that gives you an aura morph that makes everyone who sees you see you as something else. Yeah, it in this makes case, him look like a grey version of the Green Goblin, basically. Oh, I see what you mean. It's the it's the pointy ears and the pointy tail. Yeah. He has black hair. He has this... It also changes his outfit, which is impressive. Yes. What Dave Elsie... He is often disappointed in the uh, Creatures of Farscape book because he would have liked a little bit more time and a little bit more. This right. He wanted to give give him a sort of a dignified samurai look. Mm-hmm. And he'd made these fantastic slitted pupils, or sort of contact lenses for Anthony, yeah. uh, uh, Anthony Simcoe, which Anth refused to wear. He's sort of very flatly. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope, not doing it. He was, and Dave was, oh, but come on, they look so cool. Even Apparently, like, even in season three, they tried to talk him back into wearing those lovely green uh, yes. uh, contacts that they made for him that he wore for like three episodes in season one and then, oh no, I got some makeup in it. Now the doctor says I can't wear them forever. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but no. And I mean, we've heard Anthony Simcoe talk about it before. Like with so much latex on your face, all your acting has to come out of your, well, in my case, my lips and my eyes. Yeah, and body posture and everything like that. Yeah. So you're not taking my eyes away from me. No, very good point. Um, I like this look. Yes. Enough! Pilot is incredulous at this story, still not buying, buying (laughs) less and less of it. And why does he not look that way now? Y'all have wore off or something. (laughs) Time for a heist. Yep, they go to the auction where the little token that they've been given gets tested with something. They, like, drop some fluid on it and it starts bubbling and fizzing, which apparently authenticates Uh. the fact that it's a a genuine token. Uh, And they're welcomed by uh, Fator. Fetor himself. Who John has, throws a bag of money at him like, hook, I'm rich, I'm here to buy. He does, a, he does an extra southern accent. He, no, I noticed that, yes. He's like almost a, sounding like me when I'm doing him in the readings. Uh, <laughs> yes. Like the, the old-timey prospector who struck gold and yeah. is now new money rich. I am your host, but names are not important, only currency. Well, son, I'm your buyer, and uh, money ain't important to me, only quality. Know what I mean? <laughs> Fator actually recommends buying the Nabari. Yeah. And recognizes Raxel. Who uh, sort of sneaks her way past. I thought you'd given the Freslin trade away after your disaster on Elipuria. Well, yeah, I did, let me tell you, but uh, things change. Because it turns out she was a competitor of his at one mm. point, also selling Freslin. Uh, he briefly stops Dargo, Dandy Dargo, as this design is known, oh. uh, and asks, do we know each other? No, I don't think so. I've recently become a new man. Yes. <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> so even though she's she said that, okay, I've told you my whole lie now, there turns out to every time there's still more layers. Yep, she still hasn't told them everything. The auction starts, somebody else is being sold, and Chana is being brought in. I love this set. This whole setup, it's it's set in the dark, the floor is lit. It's it's it really sells this sort of large auction vibe. Very well done, yes. Right, despite the fact that these are probably the same extras that were just on the beach like five minutes ago that have come into yeah, yeah. whatever warehouse some, was there. Put some different uh, outfits on. Yeah, and, uh, you're all in black robes now. Yep. Brilliant. And they start bidding with these little glow balls that they've got. That Which go, is really cool. Bim, yeah. Boom, uh, boom, boom. 
Fator comes in almost like a showman, throws up his own confetti, which is a bit okay. I know. Does this guy just scream Vegas or what? <laughs> He's got these incredibly floor-length sequins hanging off of his sleeves. Uh-huh. I swear to God, if I ever like win the lottery, this is actually going to be me. I'm going to host parties like this, and I'm going to celebrate my own arrival with my throwing my own confetti. Yes. <laughs> Who's going to stop me? Yes, this is where we see that uh, Tanaka guy, where, yeah. who, who wears a like a cowl. Is that the word? Like yeah, over his like. head, and he's got this like white lacy ruff on his chest. Oh, I like that. I'm amazed that you like that you pegged this as the guy whose name to write down, and you really focus on because he's, he's again he looked very familiar to me. Was, oh, because all he does is outbid John. I know he looks a bit like that guy who plays the Oompa Loompas in the latest the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but I don't think it is him. Oh, Deep Roy. Yeah. No, no. I mean, there's no, there's only one of him. He, yeah, well, and he doesn't appear to be. <laughs> <laughs> he's also not uh, a Pacific Island. Pacific Island. Oh, he's oh, here. Oh, I don't know. Pro- oh, I don't know now. He could be either. Yes, I. I mean, with a name like Deep, I thought it was like from Sandeep. Oh no, I just assumed. I don't know. I just know that he's fantastic in everything that I've ever seen him, <laughs> which includes like I even recognized him when he appeared in Star Trek under layers and layers of latex. Oh damn! Yeah, he was in the in the new Star Trek films. He was uh, Keen Sir, the, the the little sort of oyster faced gentleman with the metal eye stalks oh, okay. that works with Scotty. Mm. So alas, no Deep Roy here. But we do have an auction scene where John uses the bidding to get ever closer to a strung up and slightly strung out Chiana. Mm. I mean, she's not in good states. Asking to uh, inspect the carcass. And yeah, the bid quickly gets run up to ridiculous levels. 150,000. 151. Yeah, he brought 200,000 and the bid goes up to a quarter million. But by yes. this time he's had them... You mind cutting this heifer down so I can take a closer look? Hey, John... Yeah. It can be a bit cooler. Oof. Which, actually, the way he's going up to Chana and just, like, like cozying up to her and sniffing her and pawing at her, really enrages Dargo, which apparently is making the, the changing stuff wear off faster because if his heart rate or oxygenation yeah. goes up, then uh, Raxel says that, like, oh, no, keep calm, it'll... Uh... You mind cutting this heifer down so I can take a closer look? Did you have to caress her whole body? Oh, for crying out just loud. Just a frisson. It makes him, you know... Shut up! Shut up! Listen up, Mr. Horny Toad. You're metabolizing your disguise too fast. Yeah. This is a really tightly plotted episode. Oh, yeah. Right? This this holds together really, really well because he, Rax will ask him, wait, were you together? You're, if you're not anymore, just relax. It's all an act. Yeah. Keep calm, keep but calm. But no, no. Apparently, Dargo still has uh, feelings or at least a little bit of jealousy lingering around. It, it kind of goes wrong because, yeah, John is outbid. He tries to, like, play for credit. Uh, I can outbid you if you give me some time. And uh, Fator is no, cash only. Uh, and at <laughs> roughly the same time, Dargo's disguise wears out. Yes. Um, the There's guards- a very exasperated sigh from John when everything starts going south. <laughs> yeah, why can it never be smooth? Yeah. <laughs> As the guards yell, it's the Luxon! It's really cool to see him morph from one outrageous makeup to his own exquisite makeup. Yeah. Just the the amount of time he must have spent in the chair for just that one shot. And, yeah, John shoots out the the breakers, which have gorgeous sparklers in them. Uh, Yeah. And have we seen this toy that John now has, the the infrared thing? Is that something from the... Did they have that in the heist? In the Shadow Depository. In the Shadow Depository heist, yes. They had these sort of monocular... I mean, he didn't have one at the time. They didn't trust him with a gun. Right, that was it. Uh, And also they were rescuing him. I think Aaron was wearing hers. I can't see. Mine's not working. Just shoot! There was an argument earlier on how many paces it is to the milking room. Two, Two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, ten. Ten steps. Uh, Eight steps. Ten. Eight. Small legs, human. Because, like, they're arguing constantly. They're arguing the entire episode. Every opportunity. Small human legs. Uh, (laughs) And it turns out that in the dark, he kind of takes more careful paces because after he tries to turn right in the dark after eight paces. Shut up, I know what I'm talking about. It's eight, you're making me lose my place. Eight, eight, shut up! You're wrong! Ah! He thuds himself into the wall, alerting the lady inside the milking room to that uh, the fact that something is approaching, but he actually goes like, oh. Ten. She's got a gun on him, but that doesn't do her any good because he tongue lashes her. Yep. Drop your weapon. 
Big news, everyone! This is the first time that he's used that tongue lash on anyone other than his friends. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So far, the only time that he's used it successfully is against the his housemates. Yeah. And anybody else, like either he misses or they they catch his tongue. Okay. I mean, I was going to say he's used it before, but now he uses it effectively. Yeah. Yes. Now, we're still waiting for him to use his... Oh, no, he's even used his sword effectively. Look at yes, him go. Yes, he has. He, Only he's, took you three and a half seasons. <laughs> Dargo carries of Jules. Who, uh, Jules. Jules. Sorry, Jules, not yeah, Jules. Yeah, sorry, my bad. I think um, that's a lovely nickname. Uh, for some reason, John goes back in that room as well with Gianna. It's a bit yes, unclear why. I'm, it's oh, it's unclear how they, ha- how they end up there. Maybe they're just running away from the general mayhem in the main room. Dargo carries Jules out just as... John is arriving with Chi yeah. and points out that Rachel is still in there with her mate, who is now dead. Yes. The, uh, I mean, she, there's a brief moment where she goes like, oh, he's dead. But then she goes in for what she's actually here for, which is stealing back the chip that powers the, the extraction machine. The machine yes. that costs a fortune or Apparently whatever. it was her invention and it was stolen from her by uh, Phalor. And that's what she was after this whole time. And she's so happy. <laughs> And she runs away, and the the guys just sort of let her get away with it, because... I don't... Yeah. Well, because this this lie doesn't affect them at all. No. They already knew that they were being exploited by her, and they agreed to be exploited this far, and, like... And they have what they came for, so, like, whatever. There's no reason to stop her. She goes, like, oh, hang on, like, let me take this this, uh, little ocular thing off for you. We don't want it to get damaged. And then darts off. Yeah. Seconds before Phalor punches John. Rather than say warning him or anything else, she's just <laughs> yeah. like, thank you for saving me. Uh, here now, now I'm going to let you be- get beat up by this guy with no warning. It's like, what are you doing? I mean, that's very cheeky of Chi, but... Yeah, well, at least she protected the, the sort of infrared goggles on his right eye before he was punched in the right eye. Yeah. Uh, Bit of a struggle, gun goes flying, uh, people get knocked about, Phalor ends up on the ground. Fetor, Fetor. Fetor, sorry. We've got to get notes on that otherwise. But because Fetor's attention is so much on John, he's not paying attention to Chi, who has snuck away, yeah. grabbed herself a giant beaker full of the Freslin that was uh, milked out of Jewel, mm, yeah. and overdoses fucking yeah, Fetor. First he, he throws it in his face, then when he's down on the floor, she just basically pours it in his mouth and... Sad thing is, he's going to die happy. She's enjoying this. Oh, yes. Which... She's getting her comeuppance, yeah. I... Oh, sorry, the other get, way around. She's giving her comeuppance. His uppance has come. <laughs> his uppance has been well inflicted. Uppance, a bag, uppance, uppance. Okay. And this concludes the story. Yeah. Uh, back to John talking to Pilot. He's even brought a drink with him. Yes. Too. Almost like he can prove it. Like <laughs> Sipping on a straw, still drunk. Pilot, however, is not mollified. He is like, it's been... I said 10 days, it's been two days. I suspect the dirty little secret is you spend all your currency on pleasure, and now... I found another industrial planet for you. That has lodgings so you stay yeah. there. But he goes, but, 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 we can prove it. You can ask the girls. No, they're still sleeping it off. And even if I did believe you... Moya and I desire time away from your constant bickering. And this adventure, however embellished, does not alleviate... That's need. It doesn't change anything. And only this is now where we learn why they were, like, banished. It's like, I'm, me and Moya are getting sick of your arguing. It's like, we want some time away from that. Yes, and, and this we story can't leave, has... You are leaving. Yep. This story has not altered this need at all. As is shown when uh, John leaves Pilot's Den and in front of the door starts arguing with Dargo. <laughs> Yeah, you want to try? No, Dargo, no. Dargo was like, ah, oh, you told the story all wrong. Like, I told it my way. You can go ahead and tell it your way. And Dargo, like, declines. Wisely, I think. You see, yes. you see Pilot growling from his perch. <laughs> what? He didn't believe you? No. Well, what was that thing about a slim duck? Slam dunk. And then they argue about who's going to open the door for whom. Yes. Oh, God. Like, you're not arguing. No, you're arguing. It's like, that, that's not how arguing works, Dargo. Arguing is always that happens between two people. Yes. I can understand why those girls in the beginning asked, Are you boys a couple? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of fools is what you are. <sighs> Absolutely. That's how I've answered that question in the past. Ah, good. <laughs> Thank you. And, oh, this is going to prove challenging because... She gives me a woody. 
She gives you the willies. Yes. Right? I mean, willies, I mean, the milking, that's almost obvious, I would say. Yes. It's like the, the depiction of the abuse that is inflicted upon uh, Joel and Shiana. Yeah. I mean, that's like a bit of a easy target to use as a willy. Yeah, I don't th- I'm, I, I, I don't see any alternative. No. Right? Uh, let me think. Is there anything that I would... Which say? I guess is also kind I of mean, the point. I guess. I mean, okay, so I mean, this is more of a like a shower thought is like, why didn't they use their communicators to try to contact Jewel and Chiana right in the beginning? You know, the morning after, they could have just gone like beep. Well, they did try. In fact, Raxel showed them that to prove that she knew where the girls were, she showed them Jewel's comms, which were recognizable. So Jewel didn't have hers. No, but Chiana did. You can see it on her when she's uh, lying about in uh, Fetor's apartment. Zoned out? Like, would you be answering your phone when you're blissed out like that? Okay, fair enough. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Woody. I mean, that has to go to the outfits. (laughs) (laughs) And and the people that they put inside them. Well, yes, okay. Do you have specific outfits in mind? Oh, well, I did like those two on the beach, the, the ones with the, the, the dark clothing with the bright trimming. Those looked very good. Oh, yes. I yeah, like those. The, the beach people looked like they were... I mean, they were clearly trying to stay warm in the, in, yeah. in the frigid Australian morning with, with nothing on their, on their body, so they were yes. all dancing very enthusiastically. And Yeah, gosh, the people you can see just after the uh, opening credits, you can see them like through the tent on the other side, standing outside, dancing through about... The, if you, yeah, through the l- tent, you say. Looking out through the tent flap, yeah. Yeah. It's like this shot here. I mean, that does, th- those people look fantastic. Those outfits, yes. that's like, oof. I've, yep. uh, I have been fortunate enough in my short life to have visited some parties like this, and they are they're tremendously, tremendously stimulating and fun and interesting. Yes. Until so, the cops show up. Well. Oof. And then after they leave, they, as well, usually. Yeah, I mean, why not? And you? I mean, Willie obviously, to the heavy themes of exploitation in this episode. And even, like, I thought that this was this was kind of cunning. There's so much eye candy here yeah. for various... I mean, not everybody is into slim, fit, like, mid-20s Australian people, but for a lot of people, like, that's a, that's a great joy to look at and to, and to show off. But for, for Chiana to be strung up among them, yeah. like, is really confronting... Or, or or jewel on that chair. Now I know that as performers, they were probably having great fun with it mm-hmm. uh, and really getting to perform their craft. But it is sort of confronting. Hey, there is all this this eye candy, and not all of it is is as joyous as like the people dancing. On no, the beach. there's like a hidden uh, dark side to all the pretty things and the partying that's going on here. Yeah, because there is power involved, there is yeah. money involved, and that is that is never without its risks and uh, no. uh, a dark side. So I, I actually struggle to give that my willy because I think it's great that that's included. That mm. this joyous episode still has a, a, a sharp edge to it that you can cut yourself on. Yeah, but I don't know what else I would give it to. And uh, well, maybe okay, maybe the fantastic uh, puppet that uh, they made—that's my for, Woody. Yeah, yeah, the, the the Hanji is definitely my uh, ah, my Woody. Like, okay. I love that it's so alien and like Dave Elsie. Like, as soon as he 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 sort of read this script, he ran over to the producers and like, okay, what does it need to do? Does it need to walk around? No, it just sit still. <laughs> Great, I'll be back. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and the set design also, Tim Ferrier. Mm. Uh, he really like went overboard on these on these fantastic geometric sets. They're beautifully lit. I, I can understand that he like spent all of his budget on all of these locations, and they wouldn't give him any money for uh, uh, building an apartment for Fetor. Okay, fine, we'll do it in mine. We'll do it in mine. I mean, if you have got a place like that, I mean, I know. Yeah, you might as well I use know. it. I mean, he's clearly not hurting for it if you got, if you own a place like that. Or is it exasperated pilot? That should get oh, exasperated the pilot is fantastic. I mean, right. I do love me. I do, do love me the pilot. <laughs> he is. He is. He is so so. It's like, oh, why do I put up with this? It's, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. No more. Enough. He didn't believe you. And that's the story so, so far, Skate. 
Join us next week for episode 314, Daedalus Demands, where an unknown race has developed wormhole technology using John's data and the ancient isn't happy. Oh, dear. Yeah. So from this gonzo sojourn, we're, uh, uh, we're back to the plot that we were following earlier. There's wormholes involved again. Very exciting. Hey, thanks again to everyone who sent in synopses for these. We've, we've had them coming in for almost a year since the first synopsis came episode. in for this episode, wow. and they didn't disappoint. Uh, if you want to send in your own synopsis or a recommendation for fanfic or you want to support us, uh, you can find links to the submissions form or to our Patreon on sofarscape.com slash links. But before we sign off, Kay, I've got something for you. Yes. Ooh. Okay, so aside from the Creatures of Farscape book that I'm going to show you, yeah. which has a whopping three pages devoted to this episode. Damn. Yeah, it's really great. We start off with Dandy Dargo. Here's the photoshopped version that includes the sort of oh, slitted the eyes. insectoid eyes. Oh, yes. You can see why, why Dave Elsie was so excited to put yeah, him in this. Yeah, I mean, he looks fantastic like this. You only, almost don't recognize him as Anthony Simcoe like this. You are permitted to flip the page. Which way? Uh, next Forward one. or yeah. backwards? Yes, thank Forward. you. Oh, yes. Here we have the, the uh, Kabah. Yeah. What a fantastic puppet that is. And I think, let me just peek. Yes, you can do one more and you can see Raxel. Including an earlier design, which was also sort of a, a, a hammerhead oh, look. Oh, yes, I see. That wound up going to the Hanji. Yeah. Oh. Once again, thank you to our Patreon supporters for enabling us to buy this book. And oh. once again, thank you to Matatron for donating volume two of the Farscape magazine. Oh, there is a volume two. Yes. I, you, you kept me uh, in the dark whether or not that uh, existed. There's another one. It came out when season three, episode 12 just finished. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of interviews with David Kemper in this one. Rapping with Rigel. It's Jonathan Hardy. Free poster. <laughs> oh. It's really great. There's an interview in, indeed with Jonathan Hardy who voices, who voices Rigel and he speaks with he, he's just a delight to listen to, oh. and, to uh, and to read about. I'm going to have fun going through this and uh, giving it a read. And I think we both are, because there's another story in here by uh, Keith R.A. de Candido. Oh, very good. That'll make a good candidate for... Uh, for the next fan for fiction? Fan fiction, yeah, let's go for that. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us once again, and we'll see you next week with some, uh, uh, some fanfic, after that with Daedalus Demands, and in the meantime, so far, escape so, so good. Pilot, I don't think you've understood me. Let me just start again. Right. Right. No! See? I did my best. <laughs> Your best was to blow it. I did my best. Well, you blew it. Targo, he's kicking us off Moya because we argue. He's kicking us off Moya because you argue. No, we argue. You argue. We. You. You no, no, argue. We, oh, we argue. You would argue with I, a lamp. I post. do not open the door. You open the door. You open the door. What? You're a girl. I'm going to open the door for you. Open I, the door. I'm older than you. Show some respect. Open you the door. You can open the door. I'm not opening the door. I'm not opening no door. You open it. <laughs>